Well, Team Grace, currently in our homily series, I'm reviewing the parts of the Mass and portions of the Catechism of the Catholic Church on the Eucharist. These are being done in order to observe our country's national Eucharistic revival. For this weekend, however, I'm going to suspend our regular series so I can give my annual review of the parish. You might recall that I attempt to give such a review every fall. Now, admittedly, during the pandemic, it wasn't as systematic, in large part because we had our weekly briefings. I was giving you almost an update every week. Now we're able to suspend those. And so I'd like to return to the practice of giving an annual update every fall. As things return even more to normal, it's important for us to know what's happening here at our parish. As a Christian community, it's important for us to know what our pastoral vision is, what our goals are, what's happening at our parish, and why. Our main vision here at Our Lady of Grace is the tagline, Authentic Biblical Christianity in Action. We seek to go to the written word of God, to receive God's wisdom and instruction, and then to follow the way of life that he's called us to as his children. So we want authentic biblical Christianity. And then we want to put it in action. We want to live as the children of God, take our faith seriously. So authentic biblical Christianity in action defines Our Lady of Grace. Also, we also have right now the sub-theme, healing and restoration. I've addressed this before, but just to mention, we can oftentimes forget how much the pandemic took from us, either as individuals, families, or even a church. Oftentimes the ones who say, I don't need any healing, everything's fine, are oftentimes the ones who need the most healing. The pandemic was brutal upon our families, our way of life, upon our souls. So we are specifically asking God for healing and restoration. As a response, here at the parish, we are trying to provide the spiritual resources for that healing and restoration. Okay, so with that understanding, we could then turn to the Acts of the Apostles. The Acts contain the standard of what it means to live as Christians and as a Christian community. So we go to that sacred word and we can discern certain marks of the Christian community. These marks are significant since they help us to know what we're supposed to be doing and how we're supposed to be living as a Christian community. As a first mark, we see in the Acts that the Christian community is to be a people of the Mass and of the sacraments. As such, our Sunday Mass here at Our Lady of Grace on Saturday evenings and Sunday mornings are the highlight of our entire parish life. We labor to make them spiritual, prayerful, and beautiful. We make sure that the sacred ritual is celebrated faithfully and beautifully. We achieve portions of our tradition in order to help us to understand what's happening and how we can actively participate. We want to make sure that there is sacred silence so we can pray. One recent new household to our parish said that they joined our parish, they left their former parish of some time because they said they got tired of it being a zoo. They said before mass, kids screaming, people talking, after mass, so much activity, so much conversation that they could not talk, they could not pray. They said they came to Our Lady of Grace and they said, wow, this is great, I can actually pray. And we work for that in order to make sure that our house of prayer can authentically be a place of prayer and of worship. We have emphasized on several occasions how we are to prepare for Mass and how we can actively participate in Mass. In fact, our homily series right now again is on how to actively participate in the Mass. The Sunday Mass is the most important thing we do all week. It is truly the summit and the source of our entire way of life. The Sunday Mass, because it is so serious, carries an obligation because of our baptism we are called, obliged as Christians, to worship God on the Lord's day. If a Christian purposely absents themselves from the Sunday Mass, it is a grave sin. 
the life of God is dead within them. They are banned from Holy Communion. It is very serious. Such a sin requires the absolution that can only be given in the sacrament of confession. So if you have purposely missed the Sunday Mass, you must go to confession. In addition to our Sunday Mass here at Our Lady of Grace, we offer daily Masses, Monday through Thursday at noon, as well as Holy Days, and then on special occasions, such as the first Friday and the first Saturday of the month. As you're able, I want to strongly encourage you to increase your participation at Mass. When did it become the norm that we thought only Sunday Mass was what we had to participate in? If we're able, we should try to come to Mass more often, perhaps coming for a daily Mass, or perhaps participating in our monthly First Friday evening Mass. Those of you who are, who are retired, you should at least be coming to Mass during the week, once or twice. Those of you who are able, because of your work schedules, should be coming to Mass. I think we can all participate in the evening Mass on the first Friday of the month in honor of the Sacred Heart of our Lord. We should participate actively in worship, realizing the grace that God desires to give us, especially through the sacrifice of the Mass. As we speak about Mass, I'd like to address how we celebrate First Holy Communions here at the parish, because admittedly it's a little different. See, here at Our Lady of Grace, we're not afraid to think outside the box. We're not afraid to look at things, other ways of doing things. So, for example, in most parishes, regrettably, First Holy Communion is second grade. Everything is second grade. All the kids are just crammed together at second grade. It's so established that sometimes people who aren't even practicing the faith will suddenly appear at second grade and want their child to receive First Holy Communion. They want their child to receive Holy Communion for a God they do not know, a God whose way of life they do not follow, and they expect us to be accomplices to their sin. No. No, every child is different. Some children are, re are ready to receive their first Holy Communion in kindergarten, some in the first grade, others in the second. For some, it might take to the third grade. The parents are the primary teachers of their children. They are the ones who should discern and decide when the child is ready to receive their first Holy Communion. So here at Our Lady of Grace, when a parent thinks that a child is ready, they reach out to me as pastor. I give them a list of things that has to be done. When those are accomplished, then I sit down with the parent and the child. My first question is, are you regularly practicing the faith? And if the family is not regularly, go, regularly going to Mass, then the child is not ready for their First Holy Communion. I ask if the child is in an ongoing Christian formation program. If the child is not, the child is not ready for First Holy Communion. I ask if the family is trying to work on their life of prayer and to read the sacred scriptures. If they are not, the child is not ready for the First Holy Communion. We take First Holy Communion very seriously. How can I give the sacrament to a child in which the way of life of the Christian is not being practiced in the home? When a child is ready, and you've seen this, we make it a big deal, don't we? We make sure that every child gets their own Mass. They come here with their family. They are called by name to the altar of God in order to receive their First Holy Communion. And then at the end of Mass, devotionally, we invest them in the brown scapular. We want to make sure that when a sacrament is received, it is truly serving the life of discipleship, which is why the sacraments have been given to us by the Lord Jesus. I want to explain that to you because oftentimes there will be parents that are upset, families that are disgruntled, and you will hear all kinds of things about our parish or your pastor. And I want to make it very clear how we do things and what's really happening in terms of our First Holy Communions. Now, as we talk about Mass and First Holy Communion, I want to also speak, about, also speak about confession. We have emphasized and will continue to emphasize 
the importance of regular confessions. Confession should not be a peculiar thing that is rarely done, but rather a regular, normal part of our Christian discipleship. As such, here at Our Lady of Grace, we offer confessions on Saturday evening, Monday through Wednesday afternoon, Monday evenings during our parish holy hour, and then monthly on first Friday from 8 p.m. until midnight. We also offer extra confessions on holy days and special occasions. We offer so many confession times because of the importance and the power of the sacrament. And the opportunities themselves to receive the sacrament are a reminder and a challenge for us to go to confession. Dear friends, our souls were not made for sin. Our souls were not made for the guilt that comes from sin. Whenever we allow sin to sit on our soul, it distorts our soul. In fact, St. Thomas Aquinas, one of our spiritual masters, clearly taught us that when we allow sin in our souls, it makes us stupid. <laughs> it diminishes our will. We don't think right. For example, the person who's stuck in sin, self-pity, entitlement, bitterness, these become the rule of the day because the soul is weakened. No, if you have sin on your soul, especially grave sin, quickly go to the confessional and make a good confession. And so if you have not been to confession in a couple of months, I strongly encourage you to go and make a good confession as soon as possible. If you are in grave sin, you should definitely get to confession. And you should not present yourself for Holy Communion until you have gone to confession. Please approach for a blessing. I'm happy to give you a blessing. But do not receive Holy Communion in an unworthy manner. Now from Mass and Confessions, let's move and talk a little bit about the anointing of the sick. This is a forgotten and neglected sacrament, even though it is a sacrament of healing. I have to believe that the devil is behind the negligence of this sacrament because it is so powerful and so necessary for those who suffer. The anointing is for the sick, not only for the dying. If someone is over the age of 65, if they are seriously ill, if they are going to surgery under general anesthesia, or if they are pregnant, they can receive the sacrament. And we offer the sacrament here on a monthly basis at our healing mass on the first Saturday of every month. So the sacrament is readily available to those who are, who are in need of the sacrament. If anyone receives a terminal or serious diagnosis and are homebound, they should reach out to the parish in order to receive pastoral care. It is essential that the person who is seriously ill or who is seriously ill and dying, that they receive the grace of the sacraments. I cannot imagine someone being sick for three months or six months and not receiving the grace of the sacraments. I cannot imagine the fear that must fill such a heart in such a situation without the help of God's grace. If you contact us, someone will bring you, for your, someone will bring you Holy Communion. If you contact us, your priest will come and visit you and give you the anointing of the sick on a regular basis. Please, dear friends, do not wait in terms of terminal illness do not wait until the last day in order to call your priest. First, so you do not neglect the pastoral care of those months leading up to death. Those months are essential in order to prepare the soul for a holy death. But also, as we look at the state of affairs of the church today, if you wait for the last minute, the last day to call for a priest, you should know that the most that the, that is rare and that is rare that a priest can get there, and then on most place and most occasions the priests will not be able to arrive on time. It's not because your priests don't want to be there or your priests do not want to be available. That's not the case at all. It's that your priests now are doing double and triple duty and oftentimes are in other places. 
so we do not wait to the last day in order to call for a priest. And again, I want to emphasize the pastoral care that should mark the, the, the attention we give to those who are seriously ill. Now, as we talk about these sacraments, I also want to talk about some of the other sacraments, specifically confirmation, because the way we celebrate and offer confirmation is also different here at Our Lady of Grace than in some of our sister parishes. When I look at how so many of our sister parishes do things, how we have traditionally and culturally done things as Catholics in the United States, I'm surprised that more have not thought outside the box. Why, why do we keep doing what doesn't work? Why do we keep doing this? And of course, culturally, we get stuck. Thanks be to God, you have a pastor who grew up in Germany and studied in Rome and sees other Catholic ways of doing things. So the way that we do our First Holy Communion and Confirmation, these are the more Catholic ways. Go to Mexico or Italy or Spain or the Philippines or Poland. This is how they are done. For confirmation, when the bishop comes, when the bishop tells us he's going to arrive, I announce, it's usually in the late spring, our bishop is coming. I hope that the people of God come in order to meet our bishop, to pray with our bishop, to offer worship with our bishop. While he's here, he will offer confirmation. Anyone who is in the seventh grade or above can ask for confirmation. Seventh grade, eighth grade, 10th grade, 12th grade, university studies, young adult. We have many adults in our parish who have not yet been confirmed. At any point when the bishop comes, anyone can request confirmation. But in order to receive approval, you have to come and see the pastor. And I'm gonna ask some hard questions. Are you regularly practicing the faith? How in conscience do you think I can present a young person to my bishop for confirmation who is not practicing the faith. That would make me a liar. And a liar before the altar of God and the successor of the apostles. None of you are worth that. No, the first question. Are you regularly practicing the faith? How can we confirm you in a faith that you are not practicing? And then the other questions. Are you in ongoing Christian formation? Are you learning about our faith? Are you working on your prayer life? Are you trying to study the sacred scriptures? And so there's a sit down and discernment. There are times in which I've told people, let's wait another year. Let's focus a little bit more on your discipleship and get you ready. And there are times where I have found people who are spectacularly prepared. Their parents have fulfilled their vocation and prepared these young people well to receive the Holy Spirit. But that requires a sit down. I wanna make sure that everyone who receives confirmation in Our Lady of Grace is ready to receive that sacrament. In fact, I can tell you, Team Grace, that last year, the young people who were confirmed, all of them are practicing the faith and active in our parish, except one. If we look at most confirmation classes, those who are confirmed, you're lucky if you get 15 or 20% that might stick around. So we're trying to fix the problem, address what's going on, and stop using methods that aren't working. So I wanna explain that as well here at Our Lady of Grace. So if you hear things or criticisms, you might know the real story and how we really approach this important sacrament. Now that's all the first mark of the Christian, but a second mark that we can see in the Acts of the Apostles is a call to prayer. That call to prayer is to each one of us. As Christians, we are called to pray. To the Christian family, the family is called to prayer. Married couples should be praying together. Families should be praying together. Parents should be teaching their children how to pray. And of course, the parish also bears the moral responsibility of praying together to provide opportunities for us to pray even outside of the Mass. And of course, my heart immediately goes to our nocturnal adoration. 
where every month we join in an all-night prayer vigil, and I invite every parishioner to be a part of that. I encourage you, actively participate in this opportunity of prayer. We also have adoration on Monday evenings from 7 to 8 p.m. We do that so that those of you who work, you can also have an opportunity on a weekly basis to come and join us in prayer. We also have adoration on Tuesday afternoon, Wednesday afternoon, and Thursday morning. Here at the parish, we also offer the rosary Monday through Thursday at 11.30 a.m. We also have devotions here at the parish. On Monday afternoons, we have a novena to Our Lady. Tuesday afternoon, we have a novena to St. Peregrine for those who are fighting cancer. Wednesday afternoons, we have a novena to St. Diphna for those who are fighting emotional and mental challenges. And on Thursday afternoons, we have the Divine Mercy Chaplet for our beloved dead. We are also offering these Stations of the Cross now every second Monday of the month for those who have left the faith. We also every year have our Marian consecration on December 8th, and so many of you have made that consecration. So many of you have chosen to renew that consecration. In early November, I'll be announcing the time of preparation, and I pray that those of you who have not made it might make the consecration this year, and that those of you who have made it will choose to renew it again. These are different opportunities we have in order to pray. Our parish also, has, also offers a prayer outreach at the local abortion facility every fourth Saturday of the month. And then on special occasions, we offer other opportunities for prayer. It's important both as Christians and as a Christian community that we pray. So that's our second mark. A third mark of what it means to be a Christian community is sacred study, Christian formation. This is a personal call. Each of us are called to study our faith. It's a call to the family. Parents, you should be teaching your children the faith, why we do things, why it's important, what prayers mean, aspects of the catechism. You should be teaching the faith in your home. And then, of course, the parish family has the moral obligation as well to study the sacred faith, to study the, the truths of our faith. Of course, we principally go to the Bible, but also the catechism of the Catholic Church, and also sometimes other theological or spiritual works. Every one of us is called to study our faith. This is why we provide a homily series here at the parish. This is why I do the series on why we read the, how and why we read the Bible, how and why we can read the Catechism of the Catholic Church. This is me trying to fulfill our duty to know the faith. This is also why we provide a Bible study every Wednesday evening. Sometimes people are caught off guard, like, wait a minute, you have a Bible study and a human being is actually teaching it, it's not a video? <laughs> and, and, the, and the human being that's teaching it is the pastor? People are shocked by that. I don't find that shocking at all. As your spiritual father, I think I should be the one teaching you the mysteries of God. So every Wednesday evening, we come together as a parish family to break open God's word and study the mysteries of our faith. I encourage you to join us. We also offer Christian formation programs for young people. And we have the policy here at Our Lady of Grace that any child that's enrolled in our formation program, a parent must also be enrolled in our adult formation program. Now this is a contested policy but we will hold the line here at Our Lady of Grace. I cannot see for the Christian instruction of a child while also not ensuring that, the, that a parent also receives Christian formation. We have to make sure that both are empowered in order to bring the faith back into their families. And parents, you need to know the faith so that you can teach your children. So we have this program as well. Each of us should always be studying or reading something about our faith. The parish also offers formation days and guest speakers the book club, the RCIA for those who want to become Catholic. And this is the reason why we always are giving out so many free books here at Our Lady of Grace. Someone said to me, my goodness, we have a whole shelf. Father, I have a whole shelf of books from the parish. 
And so I asked him, I said, are you reading some of them? <laughs> this is where we're giving out these books. So that's our third mark. A fourth mark of what it means to be a Christian community is holy fellowship. Now this should occur in the grassroots. It should be natural and spontaneous among the families in our community. One family inviting another family, would you like to join us for lunch? Would you like to come for dinner? Would you like to come over if there are kids about the same age? This has to happen naturally. Each of you should be reaching out to one another in order to build up our community. We are a Christian family, and families should be reaching out to other families. Holy fellowship should not merely be programs offered by the parish. Now the parish does have to offer programs, and we're happy to do so. Sometimes holy fellowship can be small things, such as staying after mass in the narthex or outside in order to talk to your fellow parishioners. Some of you, you are dashing to your car. You are ready to get out of here. It's as if the church is on fire, huh? Maybe you can stay instead and have some fellowship with your fellow believers. Or how about this? Holy fellowship can be a small thing, like just saying hello to your pastor after worship. How about that? So oftentimes what happens is you all, you all think, I know you. I, you know me because I'm here preaching and so on. But you think that I know you. But oftentimes you don't realize that a lot of times I just know your face. I don't know who you are because you've never said hello. You haven't introduced yourself. You're not active in parish life. Why would you think that I would know you? In fact, sometimes it's really regrettable when we have a funeral. And the staff's sitting there trying to wonder, who is that who died? And you know what we oftentimes have to do? Give descriptions. Those are never kind, are they, right? So, oh, yeah, it's the overweight lady at the 9 a.m., you know, or it's the guy with the big nose at the 5.30, you know? No, that's terrible. We have to do this, right? Because we're trying to figure out who is this person, right? So Holy Fellowship can be just introducing yourself to your pastor after Mass. Of course, we also offer our fellowship Sundays once a month. We have fellowship after our Thursday daily Mass. And then every two months now, and we're restoring this post-pandemic, every two months we're offering a large fellowship event such as our fall festival after today's mass. In two months, we offer gingerbread day for the children. Two months from that, we're gonna offer Mardi Gras. Two months from that, we have our spring festival. Then we have our May picnic. Then in July, we have our ice cream social. Every two months, we have a large fellowship activity so that the whole parish family can come together. So I hope you join us after mass for our fall festival. Holy fellowship also includes our saints. Look at these beautiful uh, statues and stained glass we have. You know, in just a few months, right there, we're going to have our last saint come, St. Maximilian Colby. At that point, I think we're full, huh? But Holy Fellowship involves the Holy Ones. Holy Fellowship also includes our beloved dead, which is why we've been pushing so hard on our columbarium project. We want that done. Right now, our columbarium is full, which means when someone of our parish has died, we cannot offer a place of burial. We have lost parishioners because some of our sister parishes require that you be a member of their parish, in order to use their columbarium. I vehemently disagree with that policy, but that's their policy. We have lost parishioners who've had to join other parishes in order to bury their beloved dead. So we are trying to fix that. We know that we have a massive extension planned for our columbarium. We are pushing with the architect and the contractors to get that done. And it's my great hope that we can have it done by Christmas. Holy Fellowship also includes our parish staff who are the facilitators of our parish mission and way of life. Sometimes as Catholics, we can still forget and not be fully aware that as, as a church, most of the work is being done by professional lay people who are actually working for the church. You all still perhaps still think that the priests and the nuns and the deacons are doing all the work. No, most of the work of the church now is being done by professional lay people. 
who are baptized, have faith and professional competency and are choosing to use their talents and actually work full time for the church. And that's the most of the work that's being done. With that said, I can tell you in full transparency that here at Our Lady of Grace, we are understaffed. In fact, I've avoided saying it too much because I don't want to hurt our morale. But I think it's important that you realize how short-staffed we are. For example, right now, we do not have a business manager, a buildings and grounds director, a catechetics director, a parish secretary, a social outreach director, a communications director, a liturgy coordinator, and we have no general coordinator of our janitorial services. All that is a need. Our current staff have to carry these duties. And we have tried our best effort and continue to try to find more staff who can serve our parish. So I ask you to realize how much our current staff is working tirelessly. I also ask that you support them. Please don't give them garbage as they try to explain to you parish policies or what we do here at the parish. I want you also to remember that we try to be as best as possible an email-based staff which means if you are able to email a staff member, that is always preferred. Of course, you can always stop at the office if you need to, but email is always preferred. I also ask that you please do not bombard the staff with questions at inappropriate times. For example, right after Mass, our staff are going to be working diligently in order to run the fall festival. Please, at that point, don't stop them around random other things that are unrelated to their duties at hand. So again, I ask you to please respect our staff. I ask that as well that if you have professional talents and you've never thought about perhaps working for the church, that I ask that you please consider giving your professional service to the church. That might be something you could consider, professional working full time. Also, I'm going to ask you as a parish family to consider giving volunteer work. As baptized Christians, you are called to give ministry. And part of that is volunteer time right here in the parish in order for our parish to function. Holy Fellowship also includes our parish campus and our house of worship. We labor to make sure that our campus and our church are beautiful, that you can come and be at peace. Does that erosion outside bother you? Right there at our entrance? It bothers me. Remember when our campus used to look like that? Our whole campus? Our campus looked like Mars, remember? And we've done a lot of work to make it beautiful. And now we're trying to get permission from the railway in order to make it even more beautiful. Once you receive permission, that hill is gonna be taken down and beautified. And all that dirt will be moved to the front hill. Have you wondered what's going on out there? I've wondered what's going on, right? Because we're trying to get that beautiful. So these are important projects that we're trying to complete. And again, I let you know that as soon as we can, we will have them completed because we want our church to be beautiful. Also, I will tell you in full transparency that our building was built cheaply. We are six years into our building and we are feeling the fact that this was not built well. It takes a lot of work to maintain the building and to make sure that our maintenance, our maintenance is well preserved. We can move to, from the fourth mark to what it means to be a Christian community to identify a fifth mark, which is to serve the poor, the sick, and those in need. This, of course, is a personal responsibility. So we, every Christian is called to serve the poor. Sometimes that, sometimes that can be someone at work, someone in our extended family, someone in our neighborhood. It's also a responsibility to the families themselves. As Christian families, you are called to serve those in need. And of course, it also falls on the parish. Now, these all flow from our spiritual life. We can't skip the spiritual life and just go right to be philanthropists. We're not philanthropists, we're Christians. Everything we do for the sick and the poor flow from our life with God. It flows from our discipleship. So where does this come from or what begins the service of the poor? 
Well, it starts with our tithe. We are called to give 10% of our income to the sick, the poor, the suffering, to the work of the church. We also give a charitable tithe as a parish family. And I announce to you every week where that tithe goes to. So even as a parish, we tithe. Do you realize that we support so many different organizations and so much good is done by our tithe? In fact, do you know that the St. Clair Home for Unwed Mothers only exists because of our sacrificial offering? And that's been publicly recognized. That's why your pastor was asked to go and lead the opening prayer when that home was opened because of our sacrificial tithe, our understanding of our commitment to serve those in need. We also have now parish-wide collections. Now we had these before the pandemic and then we had to stop them. But now we're gonna restart. So October 16th, I'm gonna ask you to bring some food to work, to, chat, to church. And don't worry, I'll remind you. But in October, we're gonna have a food drive. And then two months after that, we're gonna have a diaper drive. Two months after that, we're gonna collect personal items. And then after that, we're gonna collect food again. So every two months as a parish family, in between our major fellowship events, we're gonna have a parish collection. And we're gonna ask you what to bring, let you know what to bring. In addition, on those weekends, we're also gonna have a blood bus come because there's a severe, severe need for blood in our area. So this is something else we're able to start. So I'm gonna ask you to actively participate in these drives. We also know the bishop has entrusted us with the pastoral care of the Catholic inmates of the Kershaw Correctional Institution. So I've been meeting with the chaplains, our parish team is being trained, and once everything is said, I'm gonna to announce to the whole parish family of anyone who feels called to be involved in that ministry. We have also worked very closely with Hope in Lancaster, which is our major social outreach center here in Lancaster County. We know that we have supported them extensively with our finances, but we also know that many parishioners have given them time. We also wanna now begin to collaborate even more. So I'm gonna ask you, if you are a volunteer at Hope, please let us know in the front office or drop us an email because all those who are volunteers, we wanna form a team here so we can do even more for Hope. And if you have not yet volunteered for Hope and you're able to, I wanna encourage you to please reach out. Again, that is the major social outreach center right here in Lancaster County. I remind you that 63% of the people in our county are below the national poverty line. There is immense need right here in our own backyard. So please do what you can. Now, dear friends, these are the very marks of what it means to be a Christian community. They are not exhaustive, but they give us a general summary of what we are called to be, the way of life that has been given to us, that the Christian way of life is the way of the Lord Jesus. And we live this way of life because we seek to love and serve the Lord. We seek to follow his way. So as we attempt these efforts, I ask that each of you be as involved as possible. Understand the weight of glory that has been given to us and do your best to follow this way. As individuals and as a parish, Our Lady of Grace Parish will always seek to follow the way of the Lord Jesus.